Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part three of three of uh, See Through the Stomach. And last time I left off speaking to you a little bit about GIST tumors, talking about some of the important markers, uh, and I won't go through that again. I did mention to you that GIST tumors typically occur in the stomach, almost two-thirds occur in the stomach, about less than one-third in small bowel, and the rest in the esophagus and colon. Um, when you think, speak about GIST tumors, you recognize several things. Only a small percent of gastric tumors are indeed GIST tumors, though we seem to see them frequently at Hopkins, in part because we have really good surgeons with, who can resect large masses, and these GIST tumors are often very large. 10 to 30% are malignant, with the malignancy risk increasing in lesions that have an extra gastric location, over 5 centimeters in size, obviously extension to adjacent organs, and from a path perspective, greater than one mitosis per 50 in the high-powered fields. When we look at just tumors, the classic CT appearance is an exogastric mass. Sometimes the hardest thing is to determine whether or not the lesion is actually a gastric tumor. It's very common to get ulcerations, and the patients may present with bleeding. Uh, the lesions, at times, are very homogeneous in appearance, but surely larger lesions, surely once there is ulceration, the tumors are inhomogeneous with central necrosis. When these lesions metastasize, they go commonly to the liver. Uh, just tumors are one of the things that gives you cystic metastasis. Also, when it goes to the abdomen, particularly mesentery and omentum, they also give you solid and cystic lesions. And here's just some examples. Nice case, smooth mass, antrum of the stomach, anteriorly, submucosal location, classic just tumor. Here it is again in a couple other perspectives, axial and a sagittal perspective. You can see in this case there's a central ulceration present, and you can see this very nicely as well in this example. Now in the category of just tumors, we speak about lyomyomas as well, that host spectrum. Uh, lyomyomas more commonly will calcify. Here's a nice example, but otherwise it's in that same category. Smooth, well-defined, um, again, submucosal in location. Here it is nicely on coronal display, sagittal display on volume rendering. So again, you're thinking about these uh, smooth tumors, these, these gastric tumors. Now, I mentioned most of them are exophytic, but not always. Here's a case. Look toward the EG junction. There's a mass present with ulceration. Here is a little bit better. This is just tumor. You can see the inhomogeneity of enhancement. You also can see the ulceration, and you can see the mass very nicely. Another example, smooth exophytic. These are the ones at times that are hard to tell if they're abutting the stomach or rising from the stomach. Fairly smooth and homogeneous, though on later phase imaging you do tend to often uh, appreciate necrosis better, but again, fairly smooth, fairly homogeneous, but there is some areas of inhomogeneity. And here it is on the coronal display. Again, exophytic, pushing into the stomach very nicely. And let's take that in the 3D display. Again, very, very nice. Now, I mentioned to you these tumors are often very cystic. Here's another one with mixed attenuation, but the lower components are very cystic with some nodularity in the wall. So again, even the same tumor, the upper part is more solid, the lower part is more cystic. And again, look at the size of this lesion, well over 20 centimeters. And again, the question you typically ask yourself, is this really gastric or is it splenic or adrenal or retroperitoneal? Uh, what exactly is going on? Where is a tumor going? What is its extent? What's its area of involvement? So nicely seen coronally 
and then of course nicely seen in 3D volumes as well. So again, you really get the feel of the tumors we're looking at. I mentioned again uh, the fact they're exophytic, but I'll show you one that is not exophytic. Here is one uh, very much within the gastric uh, zone. But again, see the ulceration. These ones that are intraluminal tend to have large ulcerations. You're not going to confuse this with lymphoma. It's too well-defined. You're not going to confuse it with adenocarcinoma for the same reason. So again, could it be a benign lyomyoma? Five centimeters, the pathologist is calling it malignant. And this is over five centimeters. So they're smooth. They don't look that aggressive. The surgeons will go in there and remove them. And you could see how they're like almost polypoid masses at times. Look at this large gist tumor in this case. Modeled enhancement, and here it is from a coronal display. It's kind of hanging off like a, like a large icicle or snow cone or something like that. Uh, very nicely shown on the volume rendering, on the coronal display, and in some of the sagittal displays. So nicely seen. And in this case, water was a very nice contrast agent to use. Just tumors can be smaller, well-defined, as in this example. So again, hopefully you really get an appreciation. They're not that uncommon, and they have a range of appearances. Again, um, sometimes it's just not certain where they're arising from, but it's important to keep GIST at the top of your differential diagnosis list. Now, GIST at times do enhance. Here's one example of a lesion that almost appears to be an implant on the stomach, and you can see it enhancing. Sometimes GIST tumors can very much look like almost implants on the stomach because they're so exophytic, and this is particularly the case in patients with smaller tumors. Okay, so we've now done adenocarcinoma, we've done lymphoma, we've done GIST tumor. Those are all primary tumors to the stomach. What about metastasis? Well, many things metastasize to the stomach. The classic thing we think about is linitis plastica due to breast cancer. We can also think about solitary or multiple nodules, most common in lymphoma, as well as in melanoma. Well, with breast cancer, classic appearance. Is the stomach distended or not? And this is a good example. The wall's thickened. It's infiltrated. This is the best we could distend the stomach. Classic example of metastasis. Now, at the start of the first part of this lecture, we mentioned some of the difficulty with gastric pathology in defining a specific wall thickness to, to mean pathology. We spoke about a centimeter. We spoke about focal enhancing, ulcerating. But it's important to recognize that many things do cause wall thickening, but not necessarily are tumors. This case looks like an infiltrating process in the antrum with ulceration. This was gastritis due to NSAID use. Again, could this be an early carcinoma? Absolutely. Or this case, look at the tumor, or what looks like tumor, infiltrating the antrum. This ended up being at surgery. The surgeon palpated this. He thought it was also tumor. It was rock hard. This ended up being antral ulcer disease, which simulated an adenocarcinoma. So again, uh, things can simulate carcinoma. So even when the stomach's thickened, it's not necessarily gastric cancer. Another example, infiltration, body, infiltration, antrum, hypodense. Look at that infiltration. You're always going to say cancer, biopsy. That's why we have biopsies. This was gastritis. So again, something to be aware of. Or this example, look at this case, thick wall, ulceration, hemorrhage in the stomach, necrosis. Should this be a large necrotic tumor? Maybe adenocea, maybe just, maybe whatever. Well, this ends up being you know, an inflammatory process. 
ends up being mucormycosis. So it's important to remember that inflammatory disease can simulate tumor. Another example here, look at the antrum. It's thick and there's mass there. You can argue what the mass is, but it was a gastric ulcer. So again, very, very important differential diagnosis. Let me just speak a little bit about benign gastric lesions. Uh, majority of lesions in the stomach are in fact benign. Think about all those polyps that are seen at times of endoscopy. There are also neurogenic tumors. I mentioned smooth muscle tumors, lipomas, and gastric polyps, hyperplastic polyps are the majority of lesions. So you can see a nice example in this case of vascular enhancement of small gastric polyps, easy to recognize on a well-distended stomach, no problem. Or this example, multiple small polyps. Now most of these polyps are incidental. Other cases, you can have very large polyps this is a patient, look at the size of the mass in the stomach. These were large polyps. This was a great case of Canada Cronkite syndrome. It's my one and only good example of that process. Now, in terms of polyps, they vary in size. Here's a polyp that's large, but this was biopsied. I thought it was carcinoma. It was an inflammatory polyp. So again, part of your differential, we can detect the lesion, but we're not always going to be specific as to pathology. What other benign tumors are there? Lipomas occur everywhere, but rarely in the stomach. Less than 1% of gastric tumors and less than 5% of GI tract lipomas are in the stomach. They're usually submucosal and in the antrum. If they got very large, they can ulcerate and potentially intersuscept, but that's very uncommon. And again, like most fatty tumors, easy to recognize. They're always benign, and here's a nice example in the antrum. Now, Sometimes we talk about pseudotumors, and the best one I know is gastric varices. Patient with cirrhosis, non-contrast CT, or early phase, you can see what looks like a gastric fundus mass, like this case. Look at that lobular mass. Is that a carcinoma? What's going on? Look at the liver. It's cirrhotic, but look at the aorta. It's enhancing, and get venous phase imaging. Aha, now it's large varices. So just a tremendous pitfall. Just imagine biopsying this. So Varices enhance late usually, more like 50, 60 seconds rather than 20, 30 seconds. And you can have a case like this where it very nicely will simulate a tumor. And here's just another example in terms of 3D, looking at the extent of gastric varices. Usually easy to define, but again, can be problematic. CT is very good at looking and detecting gastric varices and defining extent of gastric varices as in this case and particularly in patients with GI bleeding, uh, it's very helpful. This patient's varices were not due to tumor, but as you can see here, due to pseudocysts, which occluded the splenic vein and led to secondary collaterals through a dilated uh, uh, left gastric vein, uh, leading to this patient's uh, problem. And you could see very nicely on the MIP image the extent of the patient's varices in the stomach. In terms of other things, uh, CT is often used at times for planning gastroscopy placement, looking at complications. This patient had a gastroscopy tube placed in good position, but boy, they were lucky. Look at those large varices present, recanalization of the umbilical vein. Nice example, and look how that tract to the stomach just barely missed it. So again, something very important. Now, 
Another thing that can be problematic to me are perforated gastric ulcers. We don't see them that commonly, but there's thickening of the antrum, there's an air bubble, and there's inflammation. So the question is malignant versus benign ulcer. You don't see much mass here. This could be a foreign body. It could be an ulcer. One issue you have to be careful about if you're staging tumors, and this example reminds me, now we talk about spread beyond the stomach. Well, if you have an ulceration or a perforation, it can make it seem like the tumor grade is too high or it's higher than it needs to be simply because of perforation. So again, something very easy to look at in this example here. What else? Well, we now see many patients post-op, and let me just show you a few cool cases. This was something that was done way back when, but you see a few cases occasionally, abdominal pain, what is that donut in the left upper quadrant? That's an angel chick device. That was an anti-reflux device put around the lower esophagus at the EG junction level. Well, as in this case, it came loose. It looks like a donut. Here's another set of images from above. Uh, I've seen this rupture of the spleen, perforate the stomach, obstruct the bowel, create all sorts of problems. Though in this case, it just makes a really good image. In this era of weight reduction surgery, this is not an uncommon appearance. This is a Vanguard system with a gastric banding. You see the band, and then here you can see the tubing. What happens is you blow this up, and it narrows the uh, entry point into the fundus of the stomach. So the hope is that the patient will, will eat less and feel like they're fuller. But again, you can see there's a, a pouch where you can blow it up more or less. That's in the subcutaneous tissues. But again, recognize this for what it is. Many sites do a lot of bariatric surgery, and so there are a whole range of complications very specific to that. In this case, for example, in this second example, the patient has a bunch of pills in the stomach, and what happened was this Vanguard ring was delaying emptying of the stomach, and there are a bunch of pills there, which can lead to all sorts of grief, including ulceration. So again, uh, and what we told the surgeon was loosen up the... Uh, the uh, zone where the uh, food and fluid can pass through. If not, the patient's going to have significant problems. What else? Postoperative imaging. Uh, patients, partial gastrectomy, gastrojejunostomy, beautiful example, patency, no tumor occurrence, good distension, water works wonderful, use IV contrast, able to really clearly look at the patient post-op. Or this patient with a gastrojejunostomy. At times, there is some thickening at the anastomotic site, particularly early on. So you need to be careful not to overcall things, but you need to watch very carefully because it's a very common site of recurrence. Good example there. I mentioned before about recurrent tumor, and of course, when you have recurrent tumor, it can extend into liver, can invade the spleen, omentum, as in this case, and be fairly extensive. So recurrent gastric cancer, does occur, and CT is very good at detecting the recurrence pattern and extent. Now, we mentioned the stomach is a primary exam when you worry about gastric outlet obstruction. There can be non-gastric cause of gastric outlet obstruction, and let me just remind you of that. The stomach is markedly distended. What's going on? It's not a uh, duodenal obstruction secondary to SMA syndrome. You follow it further, the patient has a mass present. It's a mass off the tail of the pancreas, which obstructed the bowel at the ligament of trites. So again, be able to look at the entire picture. A gastric outlet obstruction may not be obstructing the stomach primarily, 
but duodenum to ligament of trites, and then obstruction occurs secondarily. So hopefully in these three talks, I've given you a lot of information regarding examination protocol. I've gone through some of the classic appearances of CT across a range of tumors as well as inflammatory disease. I tried to focus on the pitfalls for you guys, uh, which hopefully will help you avoid those pitfalls. And we've gone through differential diagnosis. And I think that's all I got on the stomach today. And have a great day. Bye-bye.